0: The scripture for today is from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4. The spirit of the, of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning.
1: My name whoa. rock and roll. <laughs> My name is Jeff, and Mark and Summer asked if I would preach this morning, and I said yes. <laughs> I am married to Mark's sister, so there might be a small amount of nepotism happening, <laughs> but mostly I'm just excited to be here. For those of you that don't know me. I've been attending this church for about a year and a half. Uh, Laura actually sucked me in when Becky and I were church hopping a little bit, trying to figure out what our church was after we got married. And she got me involved with our community group. And uh, so that was great. Uh, I am about two-thirds to three-quarters of the way done with my Masters of Divinity in at uh, Fuller Seminary, so I'm kind of slowly plodding through there. I'm on the uh, 10-year plan or so. And, just a random fact, I think that Groundhog's Day might be the most profound movie ever made. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we lift this time up to you, pray that you would speak to us, Uh, use these words... And change our lives. Amen. When I was in high school, my sister, she's a couple of years younger than I am, uh, she was working on a pretty big paper. And she asked if I would help with the bibliography. So I looked at it, and I thought, yeah, this needs some, some work, some tweaking. And I think it'll just be easier to start over. So I selected it all, deleted it and redid it. I, I got it to the correct MLA format, for those of you that love the MLA. Uh, and it was looking pretty good, so I showed it to her, at which point she said, where's the rest of my paper? And I had inadvertently deleted her entire paper by uh, selecting all and deleting. I didn't know that it was the entire paper that I was working on. So, for the next week, my parents... And my sister and I worked to rebuild this paper. We had that recovery. This is this is uh, probably 1992, so <laughs> we didn't have any of the things like uh, time machine and and that sort of thing. Uh, but my science, computer science teacher had some sort of recovery software that pulled some pieces of it back from the abyss, and uh, we had some really rough drafts and. So she worked and had to rewrite some of it, and finally she got it turned in. Well, today, Isaiah 61, our passage, is a passage about rebuilding. We have entered the third wave of Isaiah. The first wave is, it's talking about purifying Israel. The Israelites, well, I don't know if some of you were with Sarah this morning, but she had a little green box and the people were worshiping other gods that were pretty on the outside, but empty on the inside. And so Israel was, they were kind of heading down this path. And so Isaiah was like, no, we got to repent. We got to get back to the, to the way things were with our real God. And if you don't, there's going to be punishment because God cared about his people. The second part that punishment came and they were taken off into exile. The Babylonians came in and took a bunch of people back to slave in their, their country. And so Isaiah is writing to these people to comfort them. And Randy talked about them last week. And in the third, the third wave, the third section, Isaiah is writing to a people that have returned to Israel. They've been let, let go, and they are returning to Israel, and he's, he's, he's writing to them to encourage them in that overwhelming process. People have been mourning loved ones that have been killed at the hands of the Babylonians, and they have been suffering because the best parts of their land and their wealth have been taken off, and, and many of them had been, had been captured and have been for a generation living in a, in a different country altogether, slaving. They are disheartened because their temple is in ruins. Their very heart of worship is gone. And they have no way to worship without, without their temple. Everything that they knew was gone. This is a place of desolation, both physically and spiritually. The, the Israelites were eventually able to come out of captivity. The Persians came in and, and conquered the Babylonians, and the new Persian king said, hey, you guys can go back home. You can rebuild your temple. That's not a threat to me. Uh, so God used him in, in that way. But they were still an utterly discouraged people. They were shamed by being brought so low in front of their neighboring nations. So the the voice of Isaiah speaks into these people's lives to begin picking up the pieces and rebuilding which may have which must have felt like an overwhelming process have you ever had to rebuild a relationship the lack of a relationship in your life a health issue a mental health struggle going to a new school a coffee shop and again Currently, I am in a rebuilding phase of my life. For a long time, I worked at a church doing youth ministry. Mark and I worked interning there a long time ago. Uh, And for most of my working post-college career, this is where I worked. And I loved it, and I had support, and I was challenged, and I got to work with high school students, which which was wonderful. But our youth pastor's kid... Uh, had cancer and passed away. And so he, understandably, needed to take a step back from ministry to, to heal and away from the demands of ministry. When he did that, there was a power void that happened, and myself and other people got caught up in infighting, trying to hold on to that power for ourselves. There was much leadership transition through that time, and I was trying to remain consistent. I felt I cared for these students and this program and the the traditions, Uh, and so I tried to remain solid, but there was probably three people that were coming in and out of leadership, and that was exhausting. And eventually, I decided that I was burnt out, and I needed to get out and do something else. Five years later, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. I'm trying to figure out my vocation. I have been painting houses, which is a good, it's a good, it's a good job. Uh, but I wrestle with how, how, do, how do my personal gifts fit into painting? Uh, some people love having a separate job and a vocation. For me, I sort of like having those two things together. Uh, So I I am in a rebuilding, figuring it out stage of life. Rebuilding means looking at the hurt that you have experienced. Have you ever wanted vengeance? A boss treats you unfairly. A system is set up against you. Sometimes it's not even a person, but a natural event. And when there's no one to blame... Where do we even direct that vengeance? My vengeance is usually (laughs) passive-aggressive. For the Israelites, they must have had a palpable desire for vengeance on the people that had done all of this to them. Interestingly, in Luke 4, Jesus starts his ministry with these very words from Isaiah. And this is what his ministry is going to be about. However, he stops short of the vengeance piece. That piece is not what his ministry is going to be focused on. I don't think that we can simply forgive and forget. I think it takes a lot of work. And I think sometimes the Christian church skips over that part. Uh, It takes hard work working through our hurts. And I think that punishment for wrongdoing is a healthy thing when it is done healthily. We need to know that justice will be done. And we need to know that others know that what they did is not okay. However, focusing on vengeance is life-taking for us. Movies like Kill Bill, I'm not recommending it, but uh, where the main character spends the span of two movies seeking out the people that destroyed her life, maybe entertaining, maybe cathartic to a degree, but ultimately that way of life is not life-giving. And Jesus knew that. God wants a fuller life for us than a life focused on getting back at others what they have taken from us. Jesus' life makes this clear in the way that he gave to heal and encourage people to teach of a way that is abundant life. And ultimately the way he laid down his life for us. Rebuilding is a hard process. Sometimes it feels like God is a helpless baby lying in a manger, and we need to take control. It takes courage to look to see what God is doing when all we might see is desolation. It takes courage to let go of our desire for vengeance when we get hurt, when we get called names, when our friends leave us out when we get looked over for a job promotion. And it's hard to want to rebuild when life takes from us what we value most. It can be hard to let God into that pain, to let him stay in control. But God is with us. God is rebuilding. Often the work of rebuilding blends the processing of the spiritual aspects of our lives with the practical aspects of our lives. The Israelites had to do the work of putting their community back together. The agriculture, the law enforcement, just the day-to-day details of what makes a country work. They also had to put back together their spiritual life. They had to put back together their temple physically. They had to retrain their priests who had been out of a job for a generation. And they had to figure out what the relationship to God even was at this point. What did that look like? What did it mean after all these things had had happened? Today in our lives, as for the Israelites, we have to work on both of these aspects. God is involved in every aspect of our life. God has given us gifts to help us with our spiritual rebuilding. For example, the Psalms, it's an amazing book. It both teaches us how to be honest with our negative emotions to God, both both towards other people and potentially towards God himself. But they also challenge us to praise God even when we do not want to. And they give us that sometimes gentle, sometimes let's do this nudging. And it, it reminds us and helps us get out of some mental states that we need to. We also have the gift of community. We have friends in places like community groups, the gift of people that will listen to us and pray for us over the long haul. God has also given us gifts to rebuild the practical elements of our lives. Counselors, advocates, life coaches, accountants that help support us. God uses people in all professions to be a part of his holy work of restoration. These words of the prophet help to flip a horrible situation onto its head. Another area where we see this is in the Beatitudes. One thing they do is to turn a negative situation on its head. and There are similar themes in both of these passages. Isaiah says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus in the Beatitudes says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Isaiah, he has sent me to comfort all who mourn. Jesus, blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. In Isaiah, he has sent me to bestow on them a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And Jesus says, Blessed are the meek. These words in Isaiah do what Jesus did create a direct line of communication to the outsider, the needy, the distressed. God is with them. In rebuilding, we need more than stones and mortar. We need a new spirit, a new attitude. Sometimes God gives that to us in a flash. Sometimes. It takes small conversations, little insights. What is God doing? At Christmas, we celebrate Emmanuel. God is with us. It may have taken 30 plus years for this baby to start his work. But there's hope in this baby, this helpless baby. There's hope that God is doing something. God is orchestrating a rebuilding. He is working behind the scenes. We may feel small or feeble, but God is working to make us strong. Oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. For Israel, he used the Persian king to let the exiles go home and let them rebuild their temple. He used the voice of the prophet to encourage them. This passage challenges us to look and see what God is doing in our lives today. We have our cultural and potentially easier option of vengeance, lashing out at those that hurt us. We also have the harder option to let God rebuild us slowly, potentially painfully, over time. He is doing something, and I don't know what or who he will use, but God is Emmanuel. God is with us.